I am very excited about this series. There's someone who's even more excited about this series called Together, and that is my wife. And the reason why my wife is excited is because I've got to practice what I preach, right? Everybody say amen. Amen. I know y'all favor Suzanne more than me. I get that. (laughs) I understand. It's all good. But in this marriage series called Together, we're going to we're going to dive into some areas that I really feel like God has spoken to me. I, I started um, reading some some books on the on some different topics of marriage and and uh, got a hold of a few things. But I tell you what, nothing really rose to the top except the voice of God. Now there's lots of great stuff in books. I read lots of books. You may have read lots of books yourself. And so I encourage you to read. But there's something about hearing from the Spirit of God. It says, I think you need to talk about this. Because I try to be in touch as much best I can with you all. And the more that I'm in touch with you, the more that I realize some of the struggles that we're facing. Now, there are people in here... Before you start checking out on me for this series and you realize, you know, I'm not sure if this is going to pertain to me. Everybody in this room can get something out of this over the next four weeks. It's just four weeks long. And everybody, whether you're married, whether you are divorced, whether you are a widow or a widower, whether you are single, whether you're dating somebody, you're engaged, if you're a student... You can all get something out of what we're, what we're talking about. Now, you may not get something out of it every single point, but trust me, and I pray, and I have prayed, that God would speak to you as He has spoken to me. And so, as we start this new marriage series, I'm excited. I love new things. And one of the things I love to do is I love to come up with sort of a word for the new year. Uh, I'm all about sort of identifying um, where God is do- what God is doing in my life. And so I, I began listening and watching to see how God is speaking to me and to give me a word. And one word just kept coming up and up and up. And that word was a word fresh. Fresh. That's my word for 2015. Fresh. God wants to do a fresh work in my life. God wants me to refresh maybe some stale relationships, maybe some people that, that haven't really talked to in a while that I probably need to go back and say, hey, how are you doing? He wants, to do a, he wants me to put fresh things in my mind, fresh things in my life, and He wants to do a fresh work in Lake Point Church. And so, um, as we're talking about this new sermon series together, know that that word fresh might come up a little bit. I like the fact that in this marriage series, in the word fresh, I think God's telling me to be fresh with my wife. I kind of like that, you know? I like how God thinks a little bit. So, in this series... 
In this series, you might be sitting there thinking, you know, Frank, my marriage or, or my relationship, it, it's a little stale right now. Some of you might be sitting here thinking, you know, Frank, I'm not really married right now, but I, I've got a really good friend of mine that they are in a relationship that is pretty stale. That there, there are things in that relationship that it needs a freshness about it. it. Something needs to come into that relationship. And so if that is you, whether you know somebody or, or if you're feeling a little bit stale, maybe this series is for you. And so as we talk about stale marriages and stale relationships, what are some signs that your relationship is going a little stale? What are some stale signs? Well, number one, you don't talk too much. You don't talk much at all. You don't talk much. And I tell you what, the more that you're together, and Suzanne and I even experience as well, the more that you're together and you spend all your words on your children and your job, and, and you finally get a chance to assist you and that special someone in your life, you're thinking, what do we talk about? What, 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 what do we do? What do we say? The other night, my, uh, my wife and I went to, uh, went to Rome, went out to, uh, to dinner, to go see uh, Angie and Randy Tucker's baby. And uh, we stopped by uh, Olive Garden. Loved the, the salad, soup, and especially the breadsticks. Amen. <laughs> and and we, we're just kind of talking, have a conversation. But I, I was just sitting there thinking, you know, we should talk. We should, this should happen more often. And we should be talking more even right now. And sometimes you think, Man, this, this feels a little stale right now. It feels a little stale. Maybe you need to do something to improve that. Uh, here's a second sign your, your marriage is in relationship is a little stale. You have more personal hobbies and dates separately than together. You, have, you do more things separately than you do together. You have, the, one person has this hobby, the spouse or other person has this hobby, and those hobbies and those activities hardly ever intersect. You might do a few things together, but you're kind of off in your own different worlds. That's easy to do. Here's another sign. You spend more quality time with your kids than your spouse. You spend more quality time with your kids than your spouse. This happened to the Bennett family this past fall. Uh, uh, Madison, our 17-year-old, she plays uh, soccer. And she plays for the North Atlanta Soccer Association. And the key word to that is Atlanta. And we have to drive a while to get uh, to her team. She's very competitive and she's very good. And she was recruited to be part of that. But what that meant was I had to drive her three days a week down there and back. Now, I love the quality time I had with Madison. We had lots of fun. Got to know each other more. Got to tell lots of great stories. I'm going to treasure those when she's going off to college. But here's a fact. I was noticing we were spending more time with our children than we were with us. And so you got to kind of watch that. We kind of fell into that trap pretty quickly. Um, and here's another one. There's very little encouragement. 
There's very little encouragement. That's another sign that your, your marriage or relationship is stale. If you're not sharing encouraging words to one another. You know, everybody likes a pick-me-up. Everybody likes to be able to be encouraged by, by somebody. And so, I know you like to be encouraged. I like to be encouraged. And so, be intentional about encouraging one another. That could be a sign that your marriage or relationship is stale. Uh, so what are, some, what are some stale breakers? Now, uh, here are some stale breakers. Stop going to the same place all the time. Here's a way you could break some of the staleness of your life. Just one simple deal. Stop going to the same place all the time. You know, when Susanna and I get a chance to, to go out, you know, it's either Chili's or Chili's, Chick-fil-A, maybe. I mean, there, there's a few other restaurants, but it's kind of like, where do you want to go, you know? And I know it's more about who you're with and where you're going, but sometimes you need to, you need to take a risk, take a chance. You know, go to that hole-in-the-wall Chinese place where there's only one car and a blinking light, you know. You know, take a little bit of a risk. Susanna's like, I ain't going there. But here's the deal. When you take those kind of risks, what you're doing, even, even if it's a horrible experience, at least you got something to talk about, Right? At least you go back, you save a little bit of money, unless you have to go to the ER, and, and it gives you something to talk about. Hey, remember when we went out to eat and you threw up on the way home? I mean, that was awesome. So, so kind of change things up a little bit. Uh, here's another thing you can, you can do. Work out together. Do, do fitness things together. Um, whether it's walking uh, together, whether it's doing yoga together, you know, whatever, or whatever kind of exercise you think you want to do in your whatever. So you exercise together, work out together, do those things together, uh, go for hikes together. Um, the, uh, here's another one, play, play some games you haven't, you haven't played much of. You know, I'm, I'm really, and I'm going to be quite honest, I'm not a huge Game person, and here's the reason why I'm too competitive. If, if I don't win, I pout. I do. I'm a big baby. And so if, if, I, if I don't win, I, you know, and so, like, or if it's way too long, like, I, my kids are like, hey, dad, you want to play Monopoly? Are you kidding me? Monopoly. Yeah, let's play it for the next month. I tell you, what I want to do, and I think this will help in marriage, you ought to get Twister. <laughs> Come on, guys, help me out. Yeah, so those are just some, those are just some ideas that kind of help break the staleness of your marriage or your relationship. And even, even, even though I just got through talking about some things that really only married people to do, and actually next week, I'm going to be talking about behaving together. Behaving together. Yes, we can behave as a married couple and 
as a dating couple, so you don't want to miss that next week. But today, here's what I want to, here's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on broken together. Broken together. You know, we all like that perfect, intimate marriage or the relationship. You know, we, we all want that picture perfect, that magazine. As you're in the doctor's office and you look at the magazine and said, man, I want my family like that. Everything's just right. Everything's just perfect. And we try and we try and we try. But when, can I tell you something? We are all broken people. We're all broken people. We got junk in our life. We got past to have to deal with. We bring some of that brokenness into our marriage, into our relationship. So what do we do with those broken pieces? What do we, what do, we do with that brokenness. You know, when we have this storybook idea and this fairy tale of how everything should go and we, and we realize that Prince Charming is really underneath, he's really kind of a jerk and, and, the, and, the, and the princess just likes to hang out with her friends and the castle is really a double wide and it just seems like it just seems like things are not like you hope that they would be. So what happens when some of that brokenness comes into play? What happens when your plans and your dreams don't turn out the way they should? What do you do with that? Well, let's look at a story in God's Word. And if you would turn your chapter in chapter two of Genesis, Genesis chapter two. And if you don't have your copy of God's Word, we have the words on the screen, and we have it on the YouVersion Bible app. So you want to be able to turn to that. Go to Bible.com or YouVersion app and go into live events, and you can find us there. And so, in the story of Adam and Eve. Everything about creation was very, very good. God looked at everything that he created. Every day, oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, I really like how I did that. Yeah. Man, the, uh, the, the sunset. Man, I did a good job on that one. Right, guys? Yeah. And God was very pleased about all of his creation. And one time he said, something isn't good. And that was that man was alone. There was not a helpmate. There wasn't someone to love because we were created for relationships. We were created to be with people. And so God says, you know what? That's not good. That's not good for, for Adam to be alone. And if you look at uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse uh, 18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so God 
made Eve, created Eve from Adam's side, put him to sleep. You, you, many of y'all, most of you probably know this story. And Eve was created for him. And they were meant to be together forever. And they had everything working out for them. I mean, they were walking in this amazing garden. I mean, I don't know how beautiful this is. I've been to a lot of beautiful places, but this Garden of Eden must have been, uh, I mean, you couldn't probably describe in human words how beautiful this place was. And they got to walk around in it naked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it must be nice, you know? And so one day, Eve was tempted to eat a fruit from one tree that God said, you know, you could do anything you want here in this garden except for one thing. You can't eat from this particular tree. That's it. Okay, y'all go play. And Eve took a bite of the fruit, disobeyed God, was tempted by the serpent, devil, the evil one, and talked Adam into doing that, doing the same thing. And so they sinned against God. And so they found themselves exposed in their nakedness. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. It says this, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They tried to hide their own nakedness once they realized, wow, uh, something's not right here. You're naked. (laughs) I'm naked. Whoa, what are we going to do about this? So look on uh, with uh, verse 8 through 12. It says this. Uh, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Verse 11. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Of of course he would say that. He put the blame game, you know, on, on the woman. And so in verse 23, it says, as um, his punishment was this. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. So, here you have a situation where the first married couple ever, I mean, God performed the ceremony at creation. He literally side, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. From my side, we are made for each other. We are created for each other. And everything was going right. This is a fairy tale before fairy tales were even written. Everything was going good. And then a tragedy strikes. We have 
a wrong choice, and it ends up brokenness in their life. And so their marriage has signs of brokenness. A little shattered glass here. A little shattered glass there. And so what do they do now? What do they do with their brokenness? Let me, let me tell you something about broken people. As I said earlier, we are all broken people. We are sinners, all of us. We have all sinned. And because of that, we bring broken glass into our relationship. So what, what, does broke, what do broken people look like? Well, according to this passage, broken people hide from God. They realize that they were naked. So what did they do? They hid from the Lord. When, when people who are in marriages and relationships, when they realize that there's brokenness in their relationship and other people, especially when other people notice there's brokenness in their relationships, the first thing they do, they get away from God. They stop going to church. They stop answering texts from people in church. They stop reading the Bible. They listen to the car radio rather than praying on their 45-minute commute. They just hide from God. Of course, we all know we can't hide from God, but they do their best. When brokenness comes in marriages and relationships, they hide from God. If you have brokenness in your relationship, which you do, all of us do, make sure that brokenness doesn't overtake you. Because if it does, you'll start hiding from God. Broken people are afraid of God. Broken people are afraid of God. When you hide from God, you stop spending time with God. And then you, you're separated from God through time. A week, a month, a year of without, without even going to church or or praying, or reading God's Word, before you know it, you're a few years down the road, and you're so separated from God. In fact, you can't even see yourself even walking, stepping foot in the church, because you're afraid. You're afraid of what God will do to you. You're afraid. Well, we're going to find out in a few moments, there's no reason to be afraid. But, you're afraid of God. So when that brokenness gets into your marriage, you hide and then become afraid. And then, broken people blame others. That's what, that's what Adam did. Well, she made me do it. Broken people blame other people. When there's brokenness, broken glass everywhere and it just fills up a marriage. And you just keep adding broken glass because of choices that you're continually to make. Because you're, you hide from God and you're afraid of God because you've been so long without Him. And then you start blaming others. Well, yeah, that church, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. A bunch of hypocrites. They start, they start blaming. Or you start blaming your spouse. You start blaming your spouse. 
What, you know, you, you say things. You say things like, "Well, if she would have kept her nice figure, then maybe I wouldn't have a need to look elsewhere." Or you'd say this: "If he would not have broken his promises time and again, then maybe I would show him more affection and I would take care of myself for him." Kind of goes both ways, doesn't it? And so we end up blaming each other. And so that's what broken people do. They blame one another. So, again, we are all broken people. We have, and I'm using this analogy, broken glass in our lives. And Sometimes when we continue to make those bad choices, that broken glass just continues to fill up our marriage and our relationship. And if we don't watch it, it can have major effects on our life. So you may say, well, Frank, now that you've told me how broken I am, and now that you've reminded me that I've got some brokenness in my life, and I know there's different areas of brokenness. I'm not, I want you to walk out of here going, well, golly, I, I, I just, I feel like I, you know, I'm not a really good spouse, a husband, or, or wife. No, there's, we all have some brokenness, but some of us have more broken glass in our lives than others. But through our brokenness, where is the hope? Where is the hope in this brokenness? Here's the hope. Number one, God comes to you. God comes to you. It said whenever, whenever Adam and Eve were hiding, what did God do? God came to them. What was God doing? He was searching for them. Hey, Adam. Adam, it's, it's the cool of the day. It's morning. Where you at, buddy? We usually have our walks. We usually talk a little bit. And of course, at that point, he can have communion with God because Adam had no sin up until that point. Of course, God knew what happened. But God came to them. Where's the hope in your brokenness? God is closer to you than you think. It's kind of like the message in the side view mirrors. Objects in mirror are closer than they appear. Well, that's God. God is closer to you than He appears. He is. He is right there in your marriage, in your brokenness. He hasn't left. Now, you may have ignored Him, but He hasn't left. Your heart might be far from Him, but He has not left. God will pursue you because He loves you. That's the hope. Here's a second hope. God will provide for you. In Genesis 3.21 it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. He clothed them. He will provide. Did, did God say, oh great. Adam and Eve, first man and woman, I created this garden for him to tell him to do, just don't do one thing. And here they go. Okay, all right, well, you're dead. Poof, we're going to start all over. 
Could God have done that? Yeah, absolutely. But he didn't. He didn't. There lies the hope. And in fact, God provided clothes for them. Hey, here's some clothes. God provided that for them. God will provide for you even in your brokenness. He's ready to provide for you. Some of you are going through some tough times in your marriage, in your relationship. God has provided for you people in your life that can help you. Some of you are taking advantage of that. Absolutely, and that's great. And some of you are not. And it's time you start doing it. Look around you. There are people around you who can help. Stop. We got to stop hiding behind our perfect little worlds. We got to stop hiding behind what we think should be the perfect little marriage or perfect relationship. We got to be real with one another. And the more that we are real with one another as a spouse, and the more we're real with one another to those people in our lives that we can trust and they've proven that we can trust them and they can trust us, then, then that's where that healing begins. It does. And God has sinned, sent to you help. And He's there to provide. And then God will do one more thing. He will clothe you. He will clothe you. It says in that same scripture, God provided and God actually clothed them. I don't know how he did it, but he did. He clothed them. And that was a sign of, I know you're broken, but let's let's have a fresh start. Let's have a fresh start. It's okay. I know you messed up. And I, I know you're ashamed but I know deep down you still want to be with me. You still want to know me. You still, you still want to receive my instruction, my love, my care, my provision. You want to have a fullness of life. I know that. So I'm here to wrap freshness Something fresh, something new on your life. And to hide your shame. Of course, we all know that that is, that is just foreshadowing of what Christ did for us on the cross. I know you have shame in your life. You have guilt, you've done things. There's, there's brokenness in your life. And I'm here to say, I'm taking that brokenness and I'm driving it into the cross and my blood is pouring out for the forgiveness of sins. All you got to do is trust in me and know that I love you and I will forgive you every single time. Don't try to understand God's forgiveness. You can't. We can't fathom that. But God has unmeasurable grace for you and for me. He's faithful and He is just to forgive us of our sins. And so, just like God clothed Adam and Eve, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to have a new start over here. I still love you. He wants to do the same thing in your life. 
He wants to wrap you with his grace and his love and his mercy. He wants to do that. And there might be people here today who are thinking, you know, Frank, that's me. I've, I've got brokenness in my life. And I just, I, I, need, I need God to do something in my life. I need him to cover me with his grace and his mercy and his love. Some of you could be sitting here, married couple, or, or you're, you're dating someone, and maybe there are some things in that relationship that just maybe just aren't right. And you've got brokenness in your life, and you're in that relationship. And you say, Frank, we need, we need to be whole, we need to be complete, and we need to God's grace. Can I tell you something? What God wants to do with those broken glass pieces? You ever seen a stained glass window? Do you know what a stained glass window is? Broken glass. It's broken glass. They take pieces of broken glass and they create something so beautiful. God wants to do that in your life. God wants to do that in your marriage. He wants to take those broken glass pieces and he wants to make something beautiful. And we all know about stained glass. Here's the most beautiful part about stained glass. When the sun shines through that glass, it's beautiful. It's even more beautiful because of the sun that's shining through. Let the sun of God shine through through your brokenness. Allow him to make something beautiful out of your brokenness.